commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Rex Comeback, and you're listening to Coral News, your holiday news service providing in-depth coverage of all the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a special discussion of light and magic. The documentary chronicling the rise of industrial light and magic from Star Wars to what it is today. But first, this news. All right, thank you very much, Rex Comeback. It is so good to be with you again this week, everyone. Yeah. Um, how you doing, Adam, Grant, how are things? Oh, we're back. We're talking Star Wars. Yeah. Was good in the galaxy. That's what yeah, I'm talking about. Absolutely. Everything's like always great. great. Yeah. Whenever yeah, we too. get back into our, you know, floating space station in the core, I just feel at home. This is my place. I love it. Is it like a Look, prefab 100%. Imperial space station or are we talking like did we build this space station is this this is a reclaimed space station reclaimed. It's like, like yeah that. it's actually yeah post uh imperial abandoned space station that uh has been repurposed for our uh you know our uses that one's for like design that. so it's all like nice and like functional but we've taken all the like space nazi stuff out i like that like yeah exactly and just put up a bunch of you know tie-dyed um banners mm-hmm. Um, with lots of little on. windows, though. Yeah, lots of little windows. Lots of little windows. It's a little rusty in spots, you know. It hasn't, you know. There's some Minox chewing on some power converters, um, but you know, it's it's still Ooh. sending our signal out into the galaxy. We're transmitting. The most I think that's, uh, that's you're ready for the best non sequitur in Star Wars history. <laughs> sure. Actually, no, it's not non sequitur. Speaking of Minox, does anyone remember from the Legacy of the Force series when there were Force-sensitive Minox that that uh, got imbued with the dark side? Dark side? That sounds familiar, though. I, there's several creatures I can think of in Legends that were imbued with the dark side. So, okay. uh, this, Well, this one, sounds... uh, they were, yeah, they were in a cave in a city that Jason Solo does, uh, discovered uh, before he, spoiler alert, fell to the dark side. Yeah, wow. Was he converted yes. by Minox? Because that seems like a really it's like almost like catching uh, a virus and becoming dark side. We're two in the weeds, guys. We're talking about dark side Minox. Yeah. Well, hopefully none of the Minox no, no, no. We're in the right amount of are dark side force sensitive. If they are, you'll probably find out shortly. They're light side Minox. Yeah. Okay. Um, why don't we talk about the news? We uh we got some Cassian Andor news this week, kind of. Um, we got a we got a trailer which was amazing. I just watched it moments yeah. ago. Um, again, and um, but we also there was like not news. It just sort of happened. It got pushed three weeks. So yeah. now the, which the they were just like, yeah. The way they presented news was like, yeah, like always. It was always going to be August September twenty first. We didn't we didn't tell you anything different. September twenty first. We didn't tell you anything yeah. different. It's yeah. like they're really playing around with this thing. You know, like when there was the pushback of the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. They had like Ewan McGregor, I think like had a tweet about it or something. That's how they let people know. And people were like, what? It was kind of weird. And so now they're just like, yeah. you know what? We're just going to do it. We're not even going to make an announcement. Deal with it. And I think, I guess it was part of maybe the trailer. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how people found out, they just, about it, but it got kicked. I think just the trailer. They just at the very end did that date. Yeah. And, and so uh, I will say about, two days a few days before this trailer dropped um there was some online articles coming out about uh she hulk attorney at law was going to be coming out the same time as andor and 
Is what that real? Kind is this of the onion or wait, uh, she Hulk no, no. attorney at law? Really? Like oh, Harvey wait, Birdman ben. attorney at law? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, this is a, this is a Star Wars podcast, but you have not seen the trailer for She Hulk Attorney at Law. No, I have not. I have okay. not even heard. So, that. I'll move Those on. Words in a row. Ben, check it out. It's, it's that's a new it's, sentence. It's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Check it out. Um, right. So that is a that's the next live action Marvel show that's coming out, um, and it's coming yeah, out. I also, think, it the shared end, the same uh, premiere date as House of the Dragon, and. Oh, that's probably party. the real reason. Yeah, that would be the viewing party that would be happening, right? Like, I don't, I imagine more people would gather for House of the Dragon than Andor at that time, just because Andor's a new show and there's already know. built in. Wait, is House like, of the Dragon premiering on a Friday? Yes. Wow. How weird. Weird. I don't know. That's oh, giving that's House like, of the Dragon was, a lot of credit. Originally, was Andor not August 21st? And that's. Yeah, uh, August 28th, I think. August 24th. Second, yeah, it, it's only it's it, three weeks. It, it was, was like the, the last I week. I think it was August twenty six because I know one of us is, was not going to be yeah uh, around me. for yeah. the premiere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's, it's moving away from, and then I don't know when Lord of the Rings drops or. The, the, so right. the other weird thing, and like yeah. I know we're getting in the weeds with program notes. Everyone wants program notes, right? Um, I think uh, Bad Batch season two was slated to release uh, September twenty eighth, so the week after Andor. So I did this. We might get our first overlapping Star Wars series, or they might. We definitely push, are. Yeah, maybe that's they maybe they're it. just yeah. Maybe they're saturating you know the market with two shows will create retention. And yes, whatever you know. I, I think sure. there's that, and <laughs> and there's the issue with Marvel. Like so, Miss Marvel um, had the lowest numbers of any of the Marvel live action TV shows. Well, that's a shame. Uh, which is. Yeah, I, I was, was going to say, it's definitely not due to, I really it's definitely not due really to quality like... because it is my favorite or second favorite Marvel TV show so far. It is um, upsetting how, how text messaging is shown in films to me. I don't know if it's like my own mm-hmm. personal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It dates, it, it dates it. I've never seen it done bit. well. And Miss Marvel, it's just gorgeous. It's just part yep. of the frame. The artistry is on another level. It's yeah. Just really love the, the graphic so, there in the. Yeah. What they noticed with the numbers with Miss Marvel is that the first three weeks of Miss Marvel overlapped with Obi Wan, and when you right. went to Disney Plus, the Disney Plus banner was all Obi Wan, very little Miss Marvel, and then once Obi Wan ended, the viewership of Miss Marvel went way up because people were aware of it. Like not everyone is like us or our listeners who are like have all these premiere dates. So do you think Andor would have eclipsed something like Obi Wan? But I don't I think, think Andor would have. I don't think Andor has that built in recognition. That yeah, it, it might. Uh, uh, Eclipse, She-Hulk, Attorney of Hulk. I I also think Disney's having this issue of like, do we want our two favorite children fighting each other constantly? Do we want Marvel and Star Wars fighting each other? They shouldn't. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Anyways, who cares? It's it's their matter to deal with. But what did you guys think of this? Good news. Yeah. The good news is before we get to that is we get three episodes. Yeah. Three episodes. Yeah. So it's like a feature film. Get some guys. Let's hang out. Let's make a play date and um, watch it together. That'd be fun do it rad um oh right um yeah so why don't we uh, that's great the three episodes will be awesome um and then um yeah why don't we talk about the trailer so a new trailer dropped and like we got the teaser trailer really wasn't a teaser that was like a trailer as far as i was concerned there was i mean they didn't really talk much about content but they this new trailer just came out give us a lot of um like plot notes 
and things that are definitely going to be happening in this series uh, and also looked breathtaking. What did you guys take away from that trailer? Um, stunning photography. I just I just yeah. love the mm. the compositions in this show. I think it's just beautifully shot. Um, I think this, the characters are all just super fascinating, like these yeah. complicated sort of clandestine figures operating at the early stages of the rebellion like that is so cool and luthan is stellan skarsgård's character is yeah. endlessly fascinating to me i'm yep. so excited to see who he is what he represents he seems to be like the spy master character yeah. or something i'm excited to know what his history was during the clone wars it sounds like he he understands you know the sort of cloak and dagger operations that, that are going on like he has history maybe like doing yeah. that during the clone mm -hmm. wars yeah, they were I, like, I they're like, you've been sleeping. He's like, I wasn't sleeping. I yeah. was waiting for a moment or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't, I, you didn't catch me slipping. Yeah. You, no one can catch him slipping. Uh, that's a, that's a really cool um, line. Uh, he also had a great line where he's like, the Empire is choking us so slowly. We're yes. starting to not notice. And I was like, wow. Yep. Okay. Wow. That just sounds incredible great. dialogue coming out of these characters. Yeah. Uh, it's just, again, it's Tony Gilroy just, Turning on the Michael Clayton, you know, um, Clayton yeah. sort of like yeah. born, you know, really, really Let's high go. speed adder that's just incredibly well written. Yeah, I can't wait. Adam, what did you yeah. uh, what did you think? Uh, yes, I echo all of that. And then I just it is shot in a way that makes it feel like I, I can't imagine not finishing this season without immediately starting Rogue One. Right, like it looks, right. it looks as cinematically stunning as Rogue One does, and, and and we'll talk a bit about why that is, and that might be a good lead into the other topic we're going to talk today about kind of VFX stuff. But like, it is, it is the most cinematic, and I said this I think during the after the first trailer, most cinematic looking of the Star Wars TV shows, and this and this trailer doubled down on that, right? Where it, it just it just looks amazing, and and I cannot wait for it. And this is the I just want to again say this was the series that when they announced all the series that were coming. The one I was least looking like the least excited about. Yeah. And now it's the one I can't wait to see. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, this one I was just like, I don't know. What is it going to be like? We were like maybe Skyfall or like 007. Like, yeah. no, like, I mean, if I can get overhyped for a second, I watched that trailer like two minutes ago and I was just like, no, this right here is Star Wars. This is everything that Star Wars needs to be right here. This is the crux. This is the birth of a rebellion. This is, you know. Um, the oppressed fighting the oppressors. This is everything to Star Wars for me. I was just like, this is the whole, this is the whole thing. This is like the most essential, like element of Star Wars boiled down into one show. And then, but it's so grandiose. The like sets are just breathtaking. The shots are amazing. The acting is amazing. The dialogue's amazing. I mean, this is just coming out of the trailer, but it's just like, come on. I mean, if this is, even if this is the best stuff, um, yep. it's going to be a fantastic program i just couldn't be more excited for this it's i mean you know kathleen kennedy said it at celebration she was just like you have she's like you think you know you don't know what's coming right. and are and uh i, th I think it's going to be an absolute game changer it's going to raise the bar again you know we thought like mandalorian raised the bar and then like you know it's it's and certainly obi-wan raised the bar and then i think this is going to be like a logarithmic you know adjustment to what we expect to see at a live action Disney show specifically around star Wars. Um, I, 
Yeah, I felt bad for the show that had to come after Obi-Wan, after watching Obi-Wan. And yeah. now I feel bad for the show that has to come after Andor, right? Wait. Like, like, Yeah, which I think is Mandalorian Season 3, so. Yeah, Bad Batch will be in there, but yeah, yeah. Mando 3. Mando 3 is going to be lit, though. Yeah, I think, that you know, listening to, you know, our conversations over the, over the couple of years we've been doing the pod, it's like, we've been, we've really been desiring politics in star wars yep. Like we, yep. we're thirsting for more politics in the storytelling woven into the storytelling this is looks like the deepest dive into the into the politics that yes. we've ever been given in this show and because i mean in the saga films we have to basically gloss over big sort of like martial actions and you know um i guess um, major disputes whereas this this might be more nuanced it might be you know mon mothma sort of how she's making her voice heard in the Senate, how she's distracting, um, you know, members of the Imperial Council and whatever she's doing to sort of uh, waylay Imperial efforts. And, 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 and you know, that great line yeah. in the trailer where she's like, as long as they see me, uh, you know, as an irritation, they're not going to they're not going to pay attention to what I'm really doing or yeah. I figure out how that line goes. But it's just that's it's, it. That's, that's it. Great. Yeah. Line. Yeah. You got it right. I yeah. can't wait to dive into the Imperial Senate. Um, I think I think politics are just integral to Star Wars and almost set the galaxy has this this importance. It's imbued with this importance. It doesn't have if you just if you kind of um, dismiss those elements. I feel like that was the one thing I think George found in in the prequels that is a great thing to actually just continue doing. But now you have Tony Gilroy doing it, who has this you know, thorough understanding of sort of economics and um, bureaucracy. It's, it's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. It's like the weight of the characters, too, like that they have in this now. I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, Saw Gerrera from the prequels and from Rogue One. Yeah. You know, Mon Mothma from the original trilogy. That's like, you know, huge character. Um, Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Uh, these are all just like really big, heavy hitters. I'm sure we're going to get the Emperor in there. We call it. Right? We call it war. Like, yeah, we call it like, like, And yes. so you get everything from like the guerrilla insurgents to the you know refugees to all the way to the imperial senate and find out what's going on there you know we were chatting on um on text and then we threw some tweets out there about uh pablo hidalgo tweet uh tweet and um you know he was talking about like you know one line from you know from uh, the original trilogy and it was just sort of like talking about when the moths were in place and how they were going to control the galaxy. And this is going to get us right in there, but it took them well, a while until they finally the, switched. Uh, yeah, over. I don't want to, I don't want to be, be, uh, you know, that, uh, to George Lucas about this, but if you look at like the timeline That's, of it, um, you're in the right place. like five years after revenge of the Sith, I think in a lot of, I want to say legends material as well as new canon material. Uh, they've talked about that new order being proclamated where like the, yeah, they introduced the new order or the Tarkin doctrine where they basically divide up the galaxy. The empire divides the galaxy into over sectors, which is like, I don't know. There's like 17 over sectors or something. Yeah. But it's not even right. that many. It's, it's pretty few for all of them, but it's sort of like, yeah, yeah it's like, like it's the region of space has an oligarch now, or there like, are thousands yep. of systems are inside these, these over sectors and, um, and the protests in the streets because of that. But, he then, uh, I guess the Emperor then takes, you know, he waits for the, the completion of the Death Star to talk about dismantling the Senate. So he, it, it's basically you have the, the moths, these regional governors ruling over these oversectors, these sector moths, uh, or basically balanced out by the Senate. 
right? Like that's I imagine the Senate is the only yeah you know, government. So yeah, the Senate exists for yeah those fifteen years, and then they just dissolve it right when the Death Star comes out, and then it's like nope, you have no power. Everything's the region. But how much power okay. does a sector moth have then? Like absolute. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so fascinating. Right? That's, 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 the, that's the push and pull that I'm ready. I can't wait to see in the show, which is like, yeah. yeah. Is it absolute? Do these moths have, like, are I think we're going to inventive ways yeah. to. I think we're going to see it's, that changeover. I think that's what's going to happen yeah. where they actually dissolve the Senate in this show because it's like, it's the four years leading up to essentially a new hope or, you know, yeah. right there. So, I, I mean, it's. I think it. I think it's going to happen. Probably, maybe season two. But um, this but the oversectors right. are they canon? Because I don't think it hasn't been mentioned in canon yet. Almost. Well, the it, I mean, it's I been mentioned know. in A New Hope. They talk about it, regional governors, and that you know. But uh, as far as when it went into play, I mean, you said it was fifteen five years before, after. Yeah, yeah, fifteen yeah. years before BBY. Yeah, yeah, before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, if, if that's the case, that's interesting because of, like the lag there. But um, so Grant, I was googling. Oversector is canon. Wow, right? Is it really? However, here's the tricky thing: it's only been mentioned in one book. Any guess what book that might be? Tarkin. Tarkin. It's got correct. It. Which is the weirdest book because it was written pre-canon, First. and then for and then they decided. We'll make this the first canon. So that's weirdly canonized something that was probably pre canon. You know what I mean? Like, it's one yeah. of the things that's written. I think that's a telling sign of what yeah. Lucasfilm values as an, an important part of the timeline, which is, you know, the, the dark times, the the time when the, the Empire had first taken over and the, the kind of old fixtures of the Republic are crumbling. It's kind of like that is, that's a fascinating time because that's where you explore fascism and authoritarianism. And, yeah. You know, all this, this these really dark. Yeah. And it's, it's the only canon Lucino um, book as well, who is like my favorite I know. author yeah. from that Legends. book is so good. It's a little like a Thrawn book, though, in that like there's a, there's a lot of interiority and you're really in Tarkin's head and he's mm -hmm. outsmarting a couple other moths. And yeah, yeah. The yeah. Spike is uh, featured prominently in the book. Yeah. Yeah. He uses <laughs> Tarkin uses whom and whom in uh, it properly. But I tried to let that go. Um, <laughs> seems like a non-Tarkin thing, but moving yeah. on. Um, he's a lot of planets. Like, he's a pseudo-intellectual. Like, it's true. Speaking of books, and before we jump off Andor, um, yeah, I, I three did reread Catalyst. I did reread Catalyst, and there's also some great information in there in that uh, Krennic did, like, pick, like, seven systems to, like, exploit for, like, dunium and rare metals to, like, you know, for the, for the Death Star. And it was, like, seven planets. Like, only seven. And then there were ones that were already mentioned that were strip mined, and that was Wadi Rafa, which is, I guess, Benthic two tubes. Oh, okay. Home, which was totally just ravaged for Death Star materials and resources. And then uh, Samovar, Samovar was also okay. already mined. And so that sounds familiar. I feel like that showed yeah. up in a book as well. Yeah. But then it looks like Andor's planet has also been strip mined. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. a lot of planets got strip mined, but that, I mean, maybe those just the seven were specifically for the Death Star. Yeah. The seven were for the Death Star. I think they have the resources. There was, yeah. One of them, I think, got strip mined was in uh, A New Dawn. The second book that was released in canon after Tarkin was called um, A New Dawn. And that was the book right. about Kanan Jarrus meeting Harris and Dula, the two main characters of uh, Rebels. 
right, this is just right, info right. from the books that we're going to just throw in the mix for people who haven't read them because it might be yeah. it's, it's fun to know these tiny details that might play into the show in a fun way which is yeah it, yeah that could be a planet that's mentioned in a book that the, the, the planet that's been mined yeah it's an exciting time nice. period there are a bunch of is, there is a bunch of content there now um and um, yeah, super fun. Uh, Adam, what were your other points from the, the trail? Three things. One, uh, two will be very quick. The third one, we'll see. Uh, first one <laughs> is, did you all notice when they did the, they went to the Imperial Senate? Did you see the Imperial insignia yeah. underneath the main dais of the of the Senate? Just one. Yes. To... Yeah. yeah. That, that was really amazing. Stood out to me. Someone yeah, saw that, that online. Awesome. It was gorgeous. I thought the Imperial Senate room yeah. was like, yeah, it looks so, so good. I was like, yeah. wow, it's better than, you know. Yeah, it's darker yeah. now. It's like literally it darker. darker. In Coruscant, they yeah. like they really it's desaturated. It's sort of this yep. almost gray, but luminous, still a very luminous city, but it's Yeah, but still gray scale now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Gray, very gray. Yeah. I, I uh, love the, I love when they yeah. reuse um Clone Wars, you know, update Clone Wars images. It's Me just too. like I because I, I love that world building and I love I mean I love the, the graphic design then and the you know the CG elements then but I just thought uh, it was it's I love when they the just like put their out. arms around it the Senate pod kind of coming yeah. basically comes out of its holder to yeah yeah when you make your speech like that is that's such a cool concept yeah I just want to see more there in that chamber yeah it's gonna be so fun man it's gonna be such a fun show yeah I agree. Uh, do you think, because we, we know we're going to see the Partisans in Saw Gerrera, or at least they may have not been called the Partisans. We see, we see a lot of the Partisans actually from Rogue One in this. Yep, Benthic Tutis. Yep, and uh, the one played by Warwick Davis. And oh. um, Benthic is featured in front of a like all-black X-Wing, which I mean, yeah. Ben, when I saw that, I was like, yeah. who is flying the all-black <laughs> Swing because they're instantly the coolest character ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, nice. Benthic Two Tubes was, yeah, you know, obviously patterned after me uh, <laughs> and everything that I love. So there it is. Uh, so do you think. Be a great name in college, honestly. Yeah. That's what, that was my name yeah, in high school. It was Benthic yeah. Two Tubes. <laughs> <That's, laughs> it might be the best Star Wars name. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was pronounced Ben. Right there with Thermos Scissor but, Punch, yeah. honestly. Oh, oh, let's not. Let, let us not forget. Perm scissor punch. We may <laughs> have had punch. I it was early days for us. I don't think we had an entire uh episode on Therm Scissor Plus Punch, but we at least did a full segment on that character. <laughs> and then he was in the movie for three seconds. Um oh, yeah. Nice. So do you think we'll see a young Jin Urso? Yes. Yeah, right, because she was with Saw. I'm trying to think of Rebel Rising. I don't remember the timeline. I don't remember the timeline. I don't know. I remember, but, yeah, Rebel. It's been so long since the, the book about Jyn Erso's, like, time between in that gap in Rogue One when she was, like, a man, you know, her parents so, were killed. And then, but it would have to be Felicity Jones, and she hasn't done any. Well, no, so, she could no, be no. young. She'd it, be super so young. During, so I just did the math. Really? She'll be she'll be 16. Jyn Erso will be 16 at the time of Andor Season 1. Then yeah, so, she's then she's living with Saw. Uh, but she also leaves. I don't Saw like for a while. she leaves right after that terrorist attack on the uh, on that on that um, on that ball because I still that scene I still remember vividly is the last draw for her. Yeah, yeah, because she's with him. You know, Sagar. So for people that don't know, Sagarera trained Jin Erso. Um, he he was the one that. 
his parents set up to save her in case of the worst and the worst happened. Um, and yeah. And so there's a book called rebel rising where she goes to live with Saw Gerrera and is, I mean, they're terrorists, they're extremists. I don't know however you want to talk about it. Um, they're I, also rebels, yeah. but I think know. it depends on what they're doing. It's that one scene where they blow up a ball with like basically yeah. a IED with like shrapnel that yeah. I, I it's hard so for me not I, to call I them a terrorist we'll at that point. So, but yeah. I think we'll see her in the final season. This is my prediction. We'll see her in the final season and it will it will brush up it will abut the scene on Wobani where she's in the prison camp. Like it will show us why she's yeah, I think it might cover some of the territory in Rebel Rising in this a little bit, yeah. or at least kind of reference it. Uh, by the way, if you have not read Rebel Rising, read Rebel Rising and Catalyst. Catalyst is so good. Um, yeah. yeah, read, yeah, Catalyst. So but I don't know how they could play into the grand ordeal of this show. I mean, like, a final note on Andor, like, what, what could they be going after in this show? What could be the first kind of move on the chessboard against the Empire here? Yeah. What are they trying to do? I, I'm hoping they go after like the propaganda machine and they, they take down the uh, the Bureau of Information. And like, you know, I, like the, I think everything starts with information, right? Like to really convert people or show people the, the lies of the empire, you have to kind of be able to broadcast, right? Like, yeah. 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 Communication. I don't know. That's just, that's. Yeah. Because I, th I did see a proto Star Destroyer with that those giant radial dishes, those like yeah. You see that in that one shot where I think there's, um, it looks like Stellan, it looks like Luthen is like piloting a like a transport and like, yeah, the ship designs are amazing. Take yeah, it's just such a gorgeous shot, and then you see this yeah. proto sort of Star Destroyer with these giant, uh, like radar dishes basically, and it's yeah, it looks like it's like a communication sort of Star Destroyer. Could be. It is. I saw another uh, another um, like here are the things you missed about that Star Destroyer. It It is a uh, it will fit into our next segment it is one of the first designs of Star Destroyers uh, early ILM. And you actually see it in solo for a second. Um, oh, yeah. You see it above the door in the sort of anime. Yes. Uh, the when they're doing the uh, when they're doing the. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my last observation slash question uh, and full, uh, be completely transparent. Uh, my wife and I were trying to figure out what to watch on Saturday night. And, uh, uh, the, the second Downton Abbey, uh, movie was available for free. So we watched that, which was nothing happened, but it was a warm blanket of a movie. Um, is Andor the Downton Abbey of the Star Wars universe? <laughs> Meaning it's all, it's all downstairs, upstairs politics. I love the fact that we're getting like the political stuff and mm. the high mind and stuff. And then we're getting the people like who are being oppressed by the politics. Like, I like that we're getting both levels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, not, mean, I, not I don't the know the analog I would use, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in spirit, maybe, but it's definitely set against the backdrop of, like, yeah. a probably, rising probably not written by a right wing. Yeah. <laughs> a rising yeah. I mean, if the servant, yeah. servants were sharpening their spears the whole pockets time, are fomented, I mean, right? they it's kind more of are at times in that show. There, yeah. are, there are pockets and they are fomented. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I will say this. The whole, the whole the whole pockets of people are fomenting in like rebellions, basically. Yes. Like revolts are beginning. And yeah, I will say, I will say about Downton Abbey after watching the last movie, I realized that the entire plot of all of the seasons of Downton Abbey in the two movies is teaching a socialist that he's wrong. <laughs> but moving on anyway anywho yeah, yeah you can just watch that with that lens 
Yeah, yeah. I think this Star Wars is more about teaching fascists. They were, they yeah, were. right. I mean, that's why that's why, you know, Julian fellows look up his politics. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Who cares how you you put the spoon into the soup and take a bite of soup? All right. It's just soup. It's soup. And it's delicious. <laughs> just it will. Yeah. You eat it however you want. Um, no, I feel like it, it's it's going to be a fun show. It's definitely going to show class warfare. It's definitely going to show. Those are the bottom and then the high society and the, all the posh parties that Mon Mothma has to attend and oh, to these certain imperial interests or whatever. Yeah, it, it'll be fun. It'll be it's 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 fun because it's like we have to we, we get this we get Mon Mothma to be this vehicle to then go into these, you know, these skyscrapers and these galas on Coruscant. And that those are kind of the, the scenes that really sing in the the E.K. Johnston books, the um Queen's Hope and those yeah. books, like those scenes yeah. are fantastic. And like just to see that in live action is going to be so great because there's so I guess you get so much inner sort of inner thought, inner dialogue going on of like all the characters have their own motivations. And so there's this, this swarming event like I it, that stuff's great to me. I, I love that. So I'm, I'm excited to see. Yeah, what it feels like a very adult part. show, right? Like, yeah, totally. It, you know, like, I, there's not a lot of like, oh, this is for kids, you know, feel to it. There's no, no it's like Tony Gilroy, like doing a John le Carre novel. But like, you know, yeah. it's, it's basically yeah. set in Star Wars. And so he's like, but it's also like it's it's very prescient, too, because it's like, you know, it's it's someone from the bottom sneaking into the empire, basically like taking down this fascist authoritarian machine from the inside. And it's like. It's, it's the people that are being oppressed that are doing that. And it's it's such a fun. It's just a classic sort of like rebel story, basically. Yeah. Rebellion. Yeah. As as Cassie and Endor famously said, we started at the bottom. Now we're here. We started at the bottom. Now the whole thing is fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, 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 I mean, yeah. if that's right, not that was show, Cassian, that's, right? a, that's yeah. a miss. Yeah, don't look it up. That's totally Cassie. <laughs> uh, but I just don't you want an entire episode where there's no action and it's all just like it's all just political intrigue. Yeah. Like I want an Atlantis entire episode to be in in the Senate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, and like, so yeah, of course, like, and then hors d'oeuvres come out, and people take like you know a bite of the hors d'oeuvre and sneer at like someone, and then you're just like, oh, they're, they're going to beef outside after this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone's going to draw a blaster. Yeah. Be- but um, I'm excited to see just how ruthless the empire is, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Even at these sort of like um, political events or these these parties, like, could the emperor's empire's like agents or you know high ranking officers could they just you know execute someone and, and sort of make like someone disappear? Yeah, maybe? like make someone disappear. Like, I'm thinking that is a really terrifying way to instill fear in these scenes like if it's very game of thrones and it's the dark age sort of philosophy of just like get rid of threats like yeah i mean it's gonna be like putin level sort of you know uh, yeah Yeah. area um yeah i'm really excited about that too man that's a great point it it should be wild i I'm, i'm i love i can't wait for political intrigue um done at this level with Tony Gilroy, you know, writing it, you know, like uh, I'm going to go watch Michael Clayton after this. That's yeah. That's all I can think <laughs> about is Michael Clayton right now. I love that movie so much. That was the uh, second movie I watched back to back. Like I watched a movie at home and then I just 
ran it back. I was like, that was mm. such a good movie. The first movie yeah. was uh, Kira Kurosawa's uh, Seven Samurai, actually. But yeah. I watched it. I watched it with commentary the second time. But um, it was amazing. Anywho, uh, yeah, that's you were getting me that excited. I mean, I would never like Lightning in a Bottle, like Michael Clayton is probably a top 10 movie for me. And I never expected that sort of level of writing again from Tony Gilroy because that's he unfair. He wrote Beirut, I guess. And I think John Hamm is good. in that. And I have not seen it, yeah. but I, I would that's love good, to that's a good flick. That. that might be a fun flick. I, yeah, it's a fun it, flick. I, yeah. yeah. Have you seen it, Ben? I've heard it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. okay. It's a good that's, flick. It, it's very Clooney heavy, and um, yeah, it's great. That's the most recent film that he's worked on. Huh. So. Oh, I have to check it out. Checking out before the show. Because I thought it was an older movie from like the aughts. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a novel or adaptation. Oh, then it's. I think I'm. I'm thinking about a different Beirut. I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. No, uh, this is 2018. Are you thinking of Syriana? Yeah, I think it's Syriana. I'm thinking of Syriana. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why I do your thing is here, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, he but... wrote Proof of Life, guys. Okay. <laughs> well, enough about Tony Gilroy. Um, we've we've spent plenty of time on Andor, and uh, we're gonna spend we're gonna spend oh, like right, eight weeks talking about Andor yeah. as it happens. No, it's gonna be no, a no. long series. Well, I guess. Well, I guess we're gonna spend nine weeks because it's twelve weeks. episodes long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, to, sorry to check your mouth. I was gonna say it's check your ma- math. I was gonna say twelve weeks, and then I realized you were accounting for the three. So I feel yeah. I feel not great about correcting you about one week. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you have some integrity, Adam. You're welcome. Um, yeah, no, we. Um, yeah, I looked at the span, and I was like, oh my gosh, that is a lot of time, which is great. Yeah, you know, we'll have to work double time to keep up with everything else, and if we've Got Bad Batch going on at the same time. Like, good lord, get ready for yeah, four hour it, podcasts. I, well, or it might be two two podcasts a week. Yeah, it <laughs> might. Yeah, might that might be our life. And you're gonna have to you'd be like Sophie's Choice if you've only got, you know, two hours of Star Wars listening. Um, you'll have to pick them. But uh, anywho, let's get on to uh, Light and Magic. He's more mouse than man, twisted and Welcome back to another segment of More Mouse Than Man. This week we are covering, uh, we're actually celebrating the documentary Light and Magic, yeah. uh, crafted by Lawrence Kasdan himself, the great. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back's Lawrence Kasdan yeah. director. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Willow. Yeah. Right. Um, Silverado. Solo, a Star Wars story. Body Heat. <laughs> yeah, so many greats um just an incredible director a writer and then this is a great documentary i don't think i is this his first documentary i don't i don't know but it's, don't he's know. just well connected with the team obviously having worked yeah. on films i, I love his gets such good footage like the footage is yeah the footage is amazing yeah it's amazing i actually loved his his storytelling with this I, you know he sort of sets it up and there's drama involved and um it felt like the story really moved and went to some exciting places he, you know, it seems like he he did a good job. There's a lot of very specific moments in time um, in Industrial Light and Magic's like history that he pulls apart and are very it's very in in the weeds of what their job is. Yeah. Um, and so he does a good job sort of narrating um, through those, you know, to those moments, skips over some stuff. And then like, but he's just like, let's, you know, occasionally he'll stop and drill down on a specific project, you know, whether it's you know, uh, a, a rancor walking or, um, the, you know, the chess 
game and the Millennium Falcon or, yeah. you know, you so, know, and, and he goes like way into the stories with the actual people that were involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I've watched, I mean, because I've watched most all the behind the scenes. Yes. Bonus features, yeah. everything. And there, there are tidbits of this that do overlap with that. And I have, I, I have yes. seen how a lot of this stuff, obviously the Dykstra flex and, you know, the original sort of motion control camera stuff. Like I've seen a lot of that in the bonus features, but there is unseen footage in this documentary that is, it seems to be from the cutting room floor, like never seen. Yeah. It. Yeah. And I, it's, that, it's breathtaking yeah. to see. I think yeah. that's the most important yeah. thing to say is that like, this is a hundred percent from, if you haven't seen it, um, it if it's a hundred percent from ILM's point of view. Um, so it's like, they never stray into John Williams. They never stray into Ben right. Burke doing sound. Yeah. Design. They don't talk about like even they the never editing, stray into the acting. Like, yeah. Even the editing yeah. and yeah. the writing and, and of the films and the directing of the films isn't really talked about. I, I mean, Paul Hirsch, I think is the only editor in the yeah. documentary who, who talks on, you know, the edit of the film and how it was coming together with the VFX shots and just how perilous it was that George had to had has all this footage in the can and then uh, the film that looks so <laughs> fragmented when he has, you know, De Palma oh. and Spielberg and, you know, people come over to check it, it out. It looked and, like a nightmare. <laughs> like, yeah. A, yeah, like a nightmare. Like it just shows how stressful that entire situation was. And then, but then what really I think was the really moving kind of groundbreaking part of this documentary to me was sort of, showing the escape pod eject from the yeah. TFT 4 and show like like That's showing what movie. it looks like to match the motion control sort of like uh, model stop motion um, photography with the live action photography in a narrative and it just was magic that was magic yeah. to me yeah. i was like we achieved it that that was what george was trying to achieve he was trying to he was trying to have these these two these these two shots just cut together seamlessly and it the vfx to feel seamless and that's established in that escape yeah. pod shot and it's actually just risen to one like my second favorite thing after the star destroyer sort of overhead i love and i think i think the i, I i've seen less of the series than than both of you but 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 one of the things that kind of came through from what i saw was just like how lucky they are and we are that we got star wars because yeah. like like it's, it's just like <laughs> it's just dumb luck I know. in some way. It's that, that well, I think American Graffiti together. got us Star Wars. It seems like a yeah. lot of people yeah. had buy-in with George because they thought American Graffiti was cool, and I like guess. a lot I... of people were galvanized to whatever he was going to do next because yeah. that movie was yeah. just in the zeitgeist and cool. I think some of it too is people who who had a love but had no outlet for it and then suddenly just like randomly were walking through a college campus one day and yeah. saw like like it's just the amount of kismet that had to happen yeah. for all these or people George to show is like up. walking around yeah. commercial sets and yeah each yeah, John yeah. Dykstra and John Dykstra is coming off you know Andromeda strain and silent running and like has started this sort of like this this motion control camera work with models and he's like wow this could be the beginning of what i'm imagining is a VFX studio because I mean there were none like it was really the advent of that the the, the sort of yeah. VFX house that was happening here. There's also something to be said for and I, I'm speaking from a, a bit of a personal experience uh, for my profession of just like uh, starting from scratch. Even if even if you know uh, the way things are done, uh, sometimes just forgetting that and reinventing the wheel. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes a good thing, right? I do that with the courses I teach. Uh, about every five years, I'll take a course I've taught five, six times uh, and just start from scratch and literally not look at any of my notes or any of my syllabi and just redesign from the top, you know, from the bottom up. And and 
a lot of these people he he brought in were not in uh, Hollywood, right? And so yeah. there were things that that had been quote unquote solved before them, but they didn't know that, and so they had to kind of just start from scratch. And because of that, starting from scratch with the technology they had in the late seventies or mid seventies allowed them to come up with things that no one would ever think before because they were building on top of things that were already established. And like, no, we're just going to start from actually we're going to pour the foundation. We're not even going to build on top of the foundation that's been built before. We're going to pour it and start completely from scratch. Yep, exactly. It was just cool to, to, to meet all the wonderful, wonderful designers and artists and talented people at ILM, like in this documentary, like all over again. Because, I mean, Phil Tippett and, you know, Dennis Murin, like we, I've seen them in behind the scenes stuff, but I never like really knew about them, you and know, their, story. their lives yeah. and like what they, what, you know, what they went through making these films and, I thought this documentary just beautifully highlighted everyone. And it's just heartbreaking when it comes to John Dykstra because he invents the Dykstra flex, like this yeah. first kind of motion control camera. They use it on the first film. And then he's, he's just a George finds him difficult to work with and, and cuts him out of the move North. You know, they move out of their Van Nuys, their kind of uh, their, their facility there. And they move up North into a far nicer facility from, from what it sounds like. And, uh, and John Dykstra's left, you know, down south and he doesn't he doesn't join the move to do empire uh just because of the work relationship i guess he had with george and it, i guess it, it, there's ten, tension there and uh that's pre that's pretty heartbreaking given that george at one point in the documentary is quoted as, say, as saying you know you know all you gotta do is find that one guy and he brings everyone else and yeah that was john like, dykstra. it wasn't he yeah, was, was organism yeah. they were all his friends basically and john dykstra yeah. brought that crew to george and then george kind of brought Which... them all with him yeah, it's cruel. It's yeah, but there's cool, uh, uh, you understand it. I mean, it was a really well done story, and you know, uh, Lucas gave yeah, like you said, all the props he could to to John Dykstra for that. But, but again, they were making a separate movie. Like that was that was another point that was kind of expounded yes. on. The VFX team is making another movie after you know while George is while doing George is in England. Yeah, yeah, like yeah exactly. shooting. Yeah, like everything. I couldn't believe he did it that way. He's like, "Here's a two million dollar budget. Yeah. I'll see you in you know six months. I'm going to be in England." And they're like, and then "He goes back and they have." But is he, so is he in England shooting these films and then like imagining people making models and being like, "I can make yeah. all this fast and like it should be done by now." Like I, the the people are probably working you know all day building these models. Like, I mean, when they're not playing with them their slip and slides or their, or their... Yeah, I think all they were doing was building models for six yeah, months. This is the way like... this looked like. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, but they, you know, and they had, the, they were build, literally building the machinery. And like, there were so many times where it was just like, so we wanted to do this, so we just built a machine that did it. Yeah, <laughs> it exactly. was like, yeah. you know, and I, I love that, like, they had all these polyhyphenate, like, people... Yeah. That were like there was no no one had roles. It was all these outcasts that just were movie dorks. Um, and you know, even before movies were as you know as big before the first blockbuster, right? Yeah. And and they were all authors, writers, photographers, um, machinists, yeah. engineers. You know, these they had their hands in everything, and and that was their superpower was the fact that all these people were so had such a diverse skill set that overlapped. Yeah. And could help each other. Model makers, like, I yeah. mean, model makers, I, like, I that know. was the thing. I yeah. think my favorite part of some of this was, was because again, Grant, you're right. Like, I've so much of this behind the scene I've seen before, but to have it strung together in this way that tells the story in such a deep narrative, I, I is, I, I originally was hesitant to watch this because I'm like, yeah, I know the story. And boy, did I not know the story that I thought I knew. Like, I knew they did the, the 
you know, major overarching ideas, but this, I had no idea. But I think some of my favorite stuff was when they would show the home movies from the film nerds that they were just making yes. with Super yes, Aces. they were yeah. so like, like I, it's it's one of those things where I'm just like I'd watch Flesh it and I'm like Gordon. yeah, <laughs> Flesh early work is that was like, later. Yeah, I would just watch yeah. these and go like, oh, I never could have been any of these people. <laughs> Like, does that make sense? Where, like, sometimes just like, oh, if if I was lucky enough to be born there and have done this. And I'm like, no, because I wasn't a seven year old making stop motion animation (laughs) at home. Like, these people were born to do this work. I know. Some of it, like, sort of sparks a Gen Xer in me that was like, when I grew up, we didn't have the internet and we just, like, created our own world. That's made us, you know, it's like, you'll never have that. But it's like, I know Carly and I were doing the same thing. Yeah, I can't say that because who's to say that having infinite technology at your fingertips isn't going to make you just as creative as, you know, doing those things. But, uh, yeah, uh, pretty phenomenal. I learned a lot of things in this that I hadn't learned in any other documentary. One was that that like, you know, we you talked about American Graffiti Grant. Um, that was a dare. Like it was a challenge by Spielberg. That's like you can't make a comedy. And Lucas was like. Okay, I'll make a comedy, and he made American Graffiti, and it was a hit. And Listen, I like to go fast. I like I like yeah, speed. fast cars. I like kinetic energy. I mean, yo, but what he said there was profound. Like it, it, it was to me. I mean, I know you guys are much smarter movie <laughs> watchers than I am. Like I am intentionally dumb, and I, you know, I try to keep that suspension of disbelief as long as possible. But he's right. He's like movies should be about action. And seeing movement and seeing something you've never you you wouldn't see in the natural world, and I was like, that is so right, man. Um, Speaking about and, movement and just seeing stuff as in you know in another world, it's like Phil Tippett's yeah. stop motion work is yes. just next level. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, honestly, like just, I just want to appreciate Phil Tippett for just yeah me to see right now and however long we can because. I have not seen Mad God yet. I plan to see it. Um, I know. Oh my I gosh, yeah, so bad. I just watched it the other night. Really? Oh, really? Really? Yeah, it's on my I'm list. I'm very yeah. excited to watch it. Um, but I just like just shout out to his work. Obviously, on Star Wars and the Tauntauns and the Raincor, and it, got, it was so cool when they talked about shooting the Raincor at different frame rates, just to like figure out that. Uh, the, the realistic movement, like to figure out mm-hmm. how it could look lumbering and how it could look accurate. And even like the shot where he's eating the Gamorrean is like yeah. a reverse, like yeah. the footage is in reverse basically, which is yeah. so cool. It's like the shot in the, the film is in reverse, which is, that's something I learned, like just a little minutia of stop motion. I learned, loved the whole, the Dykstra flex and talking about just how, how they had fun playing with the ships and, coming at the ships from different angles as like the, the, the camera is moving and the ship is static, but rotating, I guess, with the, the light of a sun, right? Like there's like a, there's one stationary light that's supposed to be the sun. And yeah. The right. Yeah. Yeah. And move. The cameras move, yes. not the ship. And yeah. They, and they is, all understood that, which is not something you get on a modern like movie right. set. But also because they weren't, they weren't filmmakers, right? These were model makers and, and, right. and engineers who understood, well, that's how you get movement is not actually by moving the thing by faking yeah. movement. So I think, I think watching the first couple episodes really drove home why Star Wars works. There's a lot of reasons why, and I'm not going to like oversimplify. It's not the only reason, but we have been doing the, the uh, pillars of Star Wars and one that Ben came up with 
uh, I want to give credit where credit due, and I want you, Ben, because I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but it's um, honor what came before. Do you remember? Do you remember the line? Can you do it? Yep, honor what came before, presage what uh, comes after. Right, which is what Star Wars is, because you had all these film nerds who are watching, uh, who are watching uh, the uh, the seventh voyage of Sinbad and watching yeah. the original King Kong, and using those techniques, bringing those techniques in, right, honoring what came before. Yeah. And then presaging what came after. That's why it works, because it was something wholly new. And the other thing about watching that is, uh, you know, we cannot forget that Lucas was directing in the mid 70s where you have, you know, there, there's the book that's been written talking about, you know, um, talking about Raging Bull and Taxi Driver and all these dirty looking films. Right. Yeah. Realistic looking films. Lucas is doing the exact same thing. It was just in space. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I talked to my I, I taught a, a a film course this semester and we watched Taxi Driver because it's a criminology thing. And I had like a 15 minute discussion about about that, about why Star Wars works. <laughs> all stared <laughs> nice. at me and was ignoring me like, what is this going to be on the test? And I'm like, it's not going to be on the Wars. test. You're like, guys, guys, yeah, like, but like Star Wars, <laughs> like, right? Like, come on. Star you know, Wars. this like, is it's also it's like, like it's, it's, it's exactly this. This is why Star Wars works. And they all stared at me. And then one, no one oh. said anything. And one person after came up and said, I really like that. I'm like, great. You could have said that during the class. It would have made me feel better. Anyway, yeah. moving on. But my point <laughs> is like, like Lucas was so good at that. Pre, you know, honoring what came before, doing what's current, and also looking to the future all at once in one film. Well, let's talk about George Lucas for a minute here, because like he is he is the son at the center of the system. Right. Yeah. But he is a man that is self-proclaimed, does not know how computers work, does yeah. not use a computer, can barely use his cell phone. Yeah. And just, yet I just he is to do it. He's a maverick. What was that? Grant? I, I just encourage them to do the work. Yeah. But right. I mean, but that's huge. he's being so he's being obviously uh, uh, humble. Um, and, it, but it's, it, you know, they don't really talk about George that much. He's just there to talk about, um, you know, ILM, but there's a lot of just the, there's, there's a, a lot of new information that's come to light, man, about George Lucas and his genius, frankly, yeah. it's, it's just like, you know, he's, he knows what he wants. He knows how he can get it. He, he like he doesn't understand a technology, but he knows it can be pushed to fulfill the vision he's looking for. It's, I mean, it borders on hubris, but it's but almost like both the story. Crying. I think he leads. I think he admirably leads, leads with story, and I think he would self-proclaim that he leads with story, and that everything is basically fundamentally designed to serve the story. But if you look at the story itself, it's like he's. He's he's using a hodgepodge of elements from other things and advancing on concepts from other stories and myths and literature yeah. so quickly by like amalgamating them by fusing them together that the special effects also has to take that leap they have to take use every tool and they have to combine every apparatus that they can and and use motion control use computers to time the camera movements build computers change the lighting and and have yeah. model stop motion experts come in and move the ship at just the right angle to fulfill these storyboards which the film is storyboard within an inch of its life like george is walking around oh, yeah. storyboards the storyboards are kind of in everyone's head at this point it's just it's cool when you watch this documentary and they show you like, you know, how an X-Wing like what really is left to interpretation is like, how is the X-Wing flying when the X-Wing flies and just it's tilted slightly and has to level out? That's very realistic. If it just flew and was like perfectly level. 
it would look um, fake, it wouldn't yeah. be realistic like a fighter pilot's constantly aligning their their ship and there's organic movements within that cockpit that i think like right. that's really what this this documentary honed in on which is was like how much work the model makers and the the i guess the uh, miniature photography you know cinematographers uh directors of photography for the miniatures like like richard edlin like what they went through like just constantly trying these different angles with the camera like it just it just like it just shows you that another movie was being made alongside George's movie. And I think George just yes. wanted more synergy. And I think that's why the heart of his company is yeah. advancing VFX to create real time sort of interaction between photography and VFX solutions right on the spot, yeah. as well as sort of like, you know, pushing all the agendas that George had initially. Like it's, it's the, the yeah. company is definitely an extension. Like his contingency plan is strong. It's still pursuing all the things that he's wanted to pursue from the beginning, which is yeah. synergy, not only in marketing, brand development, but also in the cinematic production yeah. workflow, right? Like yeah. that's- I, I think the best thing that ever happened to Star Wars was George being in England for however many months yeah. that they started doing it because he had to relinquish control a little bit, right? right? Mm-hmm. And let people do things. And, and, and I think he learned a lesson from that because even when you see him with like um, the VFX stuff or even just the um uh the masks and the and the and the model making stuff i always think of him from the uh from the old making ofs when he'd walk through the creature shop and be like yes that's no nice. yes yeah. that's nice that's who he is but yeah. like that's but what he did was make everything and then i'll come through and let you know what i like and what i don't right which is better than going i'm envisioning it, like being the micromanager of like i yeah. want this and then i want that i want that no just wild imagination and i'll come through and let you know where we're going to put these creatures. I think that's George, does have right? good taste though, because yeah, he does. I think, I think his taste is excellent. And I think we kind of underappreciate his taste because I mean, when you hear some of the, the, the dialogue sound bites, I guess from um, Alan Ladd jr, the head of Fox, uh, George mm-hmm. had brought his concept art over and it was obviously the Macquarie concept art. Like George has this high standard of what this thing would look like from the beginning. Like, yeah, this show, this, this, this world was going to be lived in. It was going yes. to be fully realized no matter what. And, you know, that's that. I think that's what he was steadfast about. He was like, this is going to look real. However, yeah. I can get it to look real. It's going to look real. That's, that's, that's I know where he died yeah. on that hill, basically. Every and it's time. true. And we, we use that for we look at that for we take that for granted now. Right. With the Greebleebs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Where watching that first episode when they talked about when they were building the starships, it was just like we kit bashed. And I use that term all the time when I think about special effects. Yeah. But one thing I didn't think about that they really made a point of is like, no, that means that if you put something here, it's got to have wires going to it or a junction yeah. that then goes somewhere else. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily, you, you don't actually have it built out that it all makes sense, but it looks like it makes sense, right? You look yeah. at everything, nothing's just superfluous. Everything there seems like it serves a function. And, and Grant, to talk about Lucas's good taste, I think, back to that story in episode one when they talk about having to redesign the Millennium Falcon in like a week because they decided yeah. to, because it looked too much like uh, a ship from another a ship, ship from something else. I can't think of what it was, but so, so and was that because it was kit bashed from that previous ship or something like that? Like, I, I forget that. I think it was just, it no, was just they, coincidental that it just okay. looked like another ship. Or something. Just, yeah. And Joe Johnston was designing yeah. that. That ship, yeah, yeah. Right. That was the, the shanty for the like oh, blockade. Right. Room. It looked like right. was, that was going to be the Millennium Falcon. And then they realized it looked too much like something else. Yeah. And then yeah. and then Joe Johnston came up with like five ideas. And he knew like this one idea, which is what we know what the Millennium Falcon looks like, is going to be the one that George likes. 
So and good. sure enough, that's what George liked. Like, right? Like that was and yeah. when you look at those five other options, you're just like, yeah, that yeah. was the right choice. It's like yeah. that is still Millennium Falcon. Also, Joe yeah. Johnston is an amazing director on his own. And they, they don't mention that at all in the first episode. They they get to it later on. I'm uh, sure they do. The, the but like, I mean, yeah. they, they, I mean Captain America, like, Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. And uh, using VFX, like, like the story basically calls for VFX. You know, uh, he's one an expert at that sort of workflow, given like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using VFX to its fullest. Uh, he's just, he's so good at all that stuff. Yeah. So understanding how the machine works. Just going back to George for a second is like, I mean, the larger question is like, what is George Lucas's <laughs> what genius? Is genius? Like, well, what's his genius? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to debate know. you if he's a genius or not, because I think he is because this happened. And then when you watch this, you know, there's a lot of blank spaces, but you can see, I mean, he's the orchestrator of what of everything that was going on and final say so on everything. But like, we know we also know he's a great world builder. Like they even talked about world building when they're talking yeah. about uh, American graffiti. I think it was Ron Howard was just like the world building here was just like amazing. And like, you know, he does that. But it's like. That's the thing is like, what is his superpower? Like, I, I, mean, I would say one thing is he knows talent when he sees it. Yes, that's the that's the key is 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 yeah. he is both things, which is mm-hmm. so rare. He's he is a ultra creative person, <laughs> but is also a very practical business minded person. Yeah, yeah and that's, he's very administrative. You, how often do you get both of those things in one person? Right. right. Like, yeah, yeah, rare. That's why you see him sweating bullets like on the set in England. You know, he's just like things aren't going fast enough and it'll be faster. And like, you know, because he's, yeah. you know, in his mind, he's like, you know, reconciling, you know, the cost and the time and how much needs to be done. And that's why I assume he, you know, he lost his mind when he came back and there was two shots and why, you know, ultimately Dykstra and him, you know, never sort of repaired things. But yeah. Um, but yeah, but like it seems like he can recognize talent and activate it when it needs to be. You know, he still is very hands on, but he likes to really give people a lot of running room to do what they're going to do. And he imbues them with an idea. Um, you know, he's, you know, we didn't talk about the toys. You guys ever seen one of the toys documentary about Star Wars toys? Like the whole time yeah. this is going on, he's negotiating a deal with Kenner where yeah. it's like he's going to get like all the revenue for like. Yep. From from the toys, the yeah. first episode of the toys that made us, which I think is on Disney yeah. Plus, is yeah. all about Star Wars and worth watching. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of must watch stuff. But it's like, I mean, all the you know, the marketing of this movie, like he's he's in on mm-hmm. it, it, just makes a lot of really savvy and savvy yeah. decisions and very big swing decisions. Like that script. I mean, if you really try and forget that there was ever a Star War. And you're a movie exec and, you know, you're you're watching all these other movies and someone comes in with this gobbledygook about Wookiees and like the Tantive and the Force and all this stuff. It's like, I I don't know how he ever sold it. I mean, it was like there's a guy who flies a ship with his dog. Like it was, yeah, it was right. a hard movie to sell to people. Yeah. Like and people really had to believe in the project for this thing to work. And they it like people did rally around the project. I, I don't know why. But I they don't did, know. Rightfully yeah, it doesn't so. make sense. On it. Well, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess you have like, I mean, around that you have like what Wrath of Khan came after this and like Star yeah. Trek. The, no, Star Trek, the motion picture. And then like. But that was not like quote-unquote successful that was just kind of a whatever like it was kind of not a huge it was just like deal 
But I, I think space films were just yeah, 2001. Yeah, 2001. yeah, it was 2001. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Like, that was the only space like, movie before I, this. They, but you have Moonraker Firefox and like all these space Well, Moonraker movies. was Moonraker was a response to, to Star Wars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying like a lot of movies oh, you're saying, gotcha. diving into space. The yeah. yeah. Because he expanded everyone's view of yeah. it. He, he like, but you knew he had a very distinct vision. And I mean, even though he could see it, it, it really felt like it. It was nothing until he met Ralph McQuarrie, uh, the mm -hmm. illustrator, um, and, and who who mocked up these drawings. And he's like, "Yes, this is exactly I mean, it. This is you know, this is it." But also, and then then he could show people his vision, and then that was when he finally sold the project. Yeah, don't you think I the the picture of Luke, of uh, of uh, McQuarrie's drawing of Luke fighting. Um, Vader, That's isn't Vader. that like the greatest illustration ever made by any human yeah. being ever? Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I I literally still get chills every time yeah, I see that. It's amazing, and I'm like, that that sells your movies too. right it just there. Still looks yeah. so uh, sort of kinetic and yeah. There's a, like there's something a, you've never seen before and just nature. Yeah. yeah, I I think Kasdan did such a good job in the first episode. <laughs> Asking the question, why did this movie ever get made and never actually answering it, which is not his job because <laughs> yeah. it's just about the VFX because there's they, they talk about the VFX people reading. I can't remember who did this, but someone read the I'll tell the, you why. Super producer Patricia Rose. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Why. yeah. That's how this movie. Exactly. Did. Right. <laughs> like, it's not Lucas. It's the people he surrounded himself with himself because with. like because you I, I also think about you. Talk they even about say this. the movie was not going to be made. They're like, this no. movie is not getting made. It no. just like stalled. Yeah. yeah, but you talk I mean, about all these weird things. A, a, a guy with his dog flying a spaceship, and then but the center of your film is a whiny teenager because they showed the quotes of Luke right after showing uh, uh, some segments from American Graffiti, and in my mind, never really like put those two things together. I it, it, they did it intellectually, but not emotionally. So when I saw those back to back, I'm like. Oh man, Luke is just a whiny 1950s kid. He's just round yeah. round Howard from american graffiti and i'm like how did this movie ever get made how did anyone sit down and say like wait so we're gonna get like opie in space with a with a laser sword like <laughs> it's just it's wild yeah again i think it comes down to the dog fighting and that was the mm -hmm. for it all right is he was said i want yeah. dog fights yeah. but like all the old war films he grew up with were just black and white and they could you couldn't even see the shells or the bombs or the the, yeah. the gunfire. And yeah. The, you couldn't see. It was very obscured. Whereas Star Wars adds light to the laser bolts and the dogfights. Like, the dogfights right. are very vibrant in Star Wars. We yeah. mm -hmm. we love the the space battles in Star Wars today because of the, that, the vibrancy and the fidelity of just seeing the lasers, like, whisking around us. And, like, it's just so cool. Like, I don't know. Like, that's that's the kind of stuff that I think is what took the audience by storm, basically, is, like, the space aerial kind of space flight footage basically the yeah that was like that. the big pitch and like you know I, when i saw that I, I it totally changed my whole perspective on a new hope because it was like everything was leading to that dog fight and i never that you know i mean obviously it's a you know how genius moment. yeah how genius was it to use the trench use this yeah. backdrop and shoot yeah. shoot higher frame rate or I guess, yeah, the, yeah or so you yeah, could feel the speed and basically yeah. enhance the speed and just loved that aesthetic and showing how the wall is going by. And I, I just loved that. I thought that was so smart. And and like I love just the yeah. attention to detail as well, where it's like those windows are too big on the Death Star or on the Star Destroyer. They need to be smaller. Right. 
take out all those those big windows oh, and redesign tens the of thousands model. of lights. Yeah, yeah redesign that entire like that. model to have smaller windows. I was like, that is just the attention to detail was, uh, you know, at such a high standard. Yeah. That I, I it just, it just, I'm glad we got what we got because there was no sacrifice on the storyboards. Like, no, we yeah. basically got what was in George's head, but it was painstaking. And that's what this movie, that's what this documentary really shows. But they dive into other movies and stuff too. Like, do you guys want to just like dive into the rest of this documentary and? I mean, stuff. I don't know. You know, the the most important part from all of that was the uh, advent of digital video. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it, again, Lucas didn't invent it. He he was he had people and he was like, this is a and thing the, like, cultural war within like the film community. How like, you know, people who shot on film absolutely detested anyone who yeah, worked in digital or, or promoted digital and how yeah. George was getting like yeah. threats and people hated him. And he was like, it was dangerous out there. Like it was. You know, like people did not like that we were working with digital and we were promoting it. Yeah, but but yeah. Lucas was you know completely focused, completely persistent, mm-hmm. and was just like, no, this is this is going to be the future. Like well, I, I mean, know it. it I know it as certain as the, yeah. the sky's blue and the grass is green. And then how cool is that moment when you see the Ed Catmull? I guess like the Pixar machines are invented at this point at yep. ILM, and it was just a way to composite digital imagery, kind of basic um, slotting sort of. Or overlaying, I guess, film cells as well as digital imagery onto film cells, and um, and then uh, it, uh, Ed Catmull, I guess, gets hired by Star Trek: Wrath of Khan to design that terraforming sequence, yeah. and that's it. When it clicked, yeah. like with everyone, where everyone was just like, you know what, this looks pretty good. Like this is the beginning mm-hmm. of a new revolution of like we can do VFX on these computers now. Like it yeah. looks pretty good, pretty good, and yeah. Uh, Ed Catmull is just an absolute legend, and he was featured in this documentary pretty heavily. And uh, I, I really, I really love his innovations. Yeah, it, well, yeah. fascinating is we're seeing we're also seeing that continue into current Star Wars, right? With the yeah. with the volume versus you know mm-hmm. Andor's no volume, basically. Right, and Favreau brought that around, but very much in the spirit of George Lucas. And it, yeah, it's I mean it, that's what's I mean, another testament to him because like that spirit is so strong that it persists today. It's like indelible. It just, now it's integrated into star Wars. Like this is where you push the envelope. This is how you do things. It's just, but uh, you know, I don't think you can undersell how important George was to spurring on this revolution and making it happen. And it's, I mean, and now it's, it's the way movies are made. And I, I just don't see another George Lucas coming around anytime soon. I mean, I know, you know, Favreau really has revolutionized, um video production in, in a lot of great ways but i mean and then john knoll and enter john knoll i mean yeah. mm-hmm. and doug jang i mean like those they're almost those guys yeah. represent they're kind of like they're kind of like you know george lucas types coming into the fold yeah. and they're both geniuses in their own right and yep. you know super super talented um creatives as well and they're just forces to be reckoned with so I think I think I think they've found the right people. Like John Knoll is definitely a trailblazer. I mean, it's the guy who invented Photoshop with his brother. Uh, he's like, <laughs> kind yeah, of, kind of a mastermind. Yeah. Um, like, I, they, I think they have really good people at the top at ILM, and they, they could they couldn't have found better people over the journey, over this long journey. And uh, yeah, I just I'm yeah, I thought that stuff was so cool. Um, I just love the whole like going from abyss to like Terminator two and like just the challenges that arose yeah. and yeah. 
you know, in the VFX and going to Jurassic Park and Phil Tippett thinking that was going to be his like stop motion sort of like uh, denouement of like the greatest thing he's ever done. And then it's like not. It's like no. taken away from him and all this computer yeah. graphics. Spaz Williams. And, like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it took it yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, Spaz. <laughs> Spaz is a great character, man. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And, and Mark Dupee, or uh, yes, um, they're like that's. I want to see that buddy comedy because they're and, uh, Ellen Poon. Shout out to Ellen Poon, who uh, she was visual effects supervisor on like Hero, yeah, one of my favorite sort of foreign language films ever made. I love, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I love Hero, yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff. She's just great, and she also did the. Um, she also did the 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 ending sequence of the first Men in Black, the sort of like marble sequence. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's such a cool little yeah piece. Um, yeah, just I just loved getting to know these members of the team. Like that was just I think the the, the vet, these senior members. Like that was just so cool to get a deep dive into all their creative work. Absolutely, man. Definitely. Um, yeah, so um, that's that. And so now, um, since uh, we had a lot of fun playing a game last week, I guess we're going to play a game meow. Yeah. Right meow. Look, good against remotes is one thing. Good against the living, that's something else. Okay, are we all ready for a game of Jedi Sith or George Lucas? <laughs> Uh, do I have a choice? You have three choices, Grant. You have three choices. It's either Jedi, Sith, or George Lucas. So okay. I'm going to read you a quote. Oh, and right. you need to tell me whether it's from a Jedi, a Sith, or George Lucas. All right. Do we have to buzz in ahead of each other or are yes. we going one at a time? I'm going to read it and just say your name when you want to buzz in. couple of scoring rules. If you buzz in and are wrong, you're out for that round. All right. Okay. So... Think about it. Uh, if you, I will if you, not. Bu- you will not. So, and if the other option is, if it is a Jedi or Sith, if you can tell me who said it, oh. Jedi or Sith, can my, you will get an uh, extra point. All right. Uh, clarification: None of these quotes are from a Star Wars movie because that would be way too easy. Oh, okay. So okay from okay. either animated comics books. Uh, old EU is fair game since. Oh boy! Since, oh, wow. if it's old EU, I'm. I, I mean, so I here's the thing. Some was, of these uh, clearly Mercia flants her clackabonks. Yeah, so some of these I do not expect you because these it's are some like names I did not know or did not remember <laughs> until I googled them. Uh, so do not be ashamed if you can't get who said it. But I just want to put it out there. All right, I have nine. Number one, are we ready? Let's go. Ready to be renewed is everything. What more could one ask than to have one youth back? Sith. One's youth back. Oh, well, say your name. So Ben said Sith. My name's, and, oh, do I have to say, hi, my name's Ben. Do I yeah, get just, a guess? My if Ben Sith, already just, guessed, do I get, get a guess? Yeah, so, well, first, if he's wrong, which he is, it is not a Sith. So it's either oh. a Jedi or George Lucas. I feel like we should enter at the same time. Well, no, you got to buzz in okay. first because that's the risk. Um, ben risks it. Can I, I guess, I, I, I don't need to hear it again, I guess. It's to be renewed is... You, but to be renewed is like, everything. Yeah. What more could one ask for than to have one's youth back? Oh, I mean, it's really sick. That, that sounds like EU Jedi. It sounds like EU Jedi. You're both wrong. It's George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Great game. Really? Yeah. I am so glad that happened that way. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I just, num- in what context would you say that? 
So that's actually, I don't have the original, but it's from a lot of early books. He talked about that a lot. It's post, uh, and it's post Return oh, of the okay. Jedi. So maybe talking about the desires of Palpatine. Yeah, but it's, pre, okay. it's pre, it's pre, pre. Oh, okay. All right. Post- I, I now have a new angle on this. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Okay. George uh, uh, will be talking about Star Wars, though. That's another thing. Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's, I tried to find things that are not clearly one way or the other. Obviously. Okay. Quote number two Life, death, the one is the same as the other. Jedi. Eh, eh. Right. <laughs> that's such an that's such an obscure idea. Um, okay, well, uh, I'll go with George Christ. Lucas. I guess eh, eh. it's a Sith. It's Darth <laughs> Cruel. <laughs> Darth Cruel. Wait, yeah. we are not pulling t- quotes from Darth Cruel, right? We now. are. We are indeed. This is a Star Wars podcast. If it was easy, it wouldn't be a game. Okay, right. I'm going to the State Department and changing my name right now. <laughs> All right, I cannot believe Darth Cruel hasn't been taken. Also, from I think Star Wars Legacy, <laughs> I think I think it's the comic book, it's the comic book series. So, okay. All right. Uh, quote number three. Are we ready? I think I read that on like a like a <laughs> top ten like worst. I'm, no, this is the best game on. ever. I think it's the best <laughs> game ever. Yeah. This I'm was, ready for the next one. Okay. I came up with this last night, and I was afraid it was going to take me five hours to put this together. It took me. 15 minutes to find quotes that could, could kind of fall. I mean, I'm wherever. taking your word that Darth Cruel is an actual. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I will find the direct quote. It's, it's Darth Cruel from from Star Wars Legacy. I'm I don't, Wikipedia-ing I, I Darth don't have Cruel, I don't right? have the issue number, uh, but it is from it is from I Star Wars Legacy comics. Page and panel on Darth. Right, that's a bit <laughs> much. Uh, let's see. OK, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I know no. you are. Next question. Next question. Uh, quote number three. Fear tracks the fearful. The strong, the weak, the innocent, the correct. I got it. Jedi. Eh, eh. The, uh, Sith. Yes, that's Darth Bane. Oh, hey, we got one. Ben oh, it's a Bane. Point. Yeah. Oh, that's... I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't give you a chance to name the Sith. No, I, I wouldn't I, have got it. But yeah. when Ooh, you said yeah. it, it, it sparked yeah. memory. All right. Quote number four: Many of the truths we cling to depend on our point of view. Uh, Jedi. I mean, that's Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Grant got Jedi. First, would you like to Ben got a character, down? but and he said it before I could even say the character. You knew you it. I mean, you to, knew that was. Yeah, I know. I, I just could, had to jump to Jedi. It, so do you? So are you saying it's? Are you saying it's Obi Wan Kenobi? Yes. Oh no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, actually, I'm not. I think <laughs> it's Obi Wan Kenobi. Jin. Did I think say it's Qui Gon Jinn in the Phantom Menace. All right, you're both wrong. It's Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's he. Uh, Obi Wan says it coming out of the woods in um in no, uh, Empire. Says, uh oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, Luke, you'll find no. on the stump. Yeah, he says it or something. Yeah. He's like, our point of view. All right. I'm I'm yeah. gonna give all right. So yes, you're correct. Yeah. It's in I'm Empire. gonna actually it doesn't uh, wait, but it sounds like it sounds like an echo line. It sounds like a lot that's of that's the yeah, thing. he said it it's been said it's been said then. by many characters. But the OG right. was the OG was yes. so uh, I'm OG was Guinness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. My game is already broken. Don't come in here with that like weeks. No, no. Let's go with the four. Let's go with question four. Let's just keep rolling. Let's, let's roll. That, that was question four, but I don't know who to give that point to. I guess I'll give each of you a half a point, which yes. is basically Grant was right. And he was and first. But the problem is, is Ben, you said Obi-Wan Kenobi first, I think. Yeah, and but then... he, he answered first. Right. So I'm give, giving you give both half a point. point. I'm going to give you both half a point, which means okay. nothing because it, it's basically a zero. So uh, question number five. Uh, 
Beings may elect their leaders, but the Force has elected us. Jedi? Uh, Jedi? Eh, eh. Wow. <laughs> it would be really funny if George Lucas said that, but I'm going to say Sith. <laughs> yeah, some of them, you can kind of eliminate George Lucas. <laughs> it has to be Sith. Uh, it is Sith. Uh, do you want to guess which Sith? Any guesses? Oh, uh, I want to guess here. Can I guess here? Jedi? Wait, but the Force has elected us? Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's that's got to be a Sith war. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I know. Hold on. Um... Oh, but uh, correct for the steal. <laughs> is it? It's not. Is it Darth like Khan or Lord Khan or? Plagueis. Oh, okay. Oh, Plagueis. I thought, it was, I thought yeah. it was ancient Sith. Sorry. I feel like the Darth are yeah. somewhat easier to guess than that. There's only two at any time, but there's still a lot of them. Um, all right. Question number six. All who gain power are afraid to lose it. Uh, uh, Sith. It's got to be... Um, got that's it. Sith. Yeah, but that's Darth Sidious, and that's also from... That's from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I may have lied that they weren't from movies. <laughs> wow. <yeah. laughs> That's At helps. least you weren't a liar. No, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm down. Is there more? I'm ready. There are like, more. And I swear, like, curveball. And like, that's I know. Movies I, I read that. I literally, as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, no, this one is for a movie. Oh, no, I lied. I'm just going to go. Maybe they won't know. <laughs> oh, no, movie. they know. Yeah. All right. The next three you are, I swear, understand, Anakin. Everyone who has power is afraid to lose it. Is that what he says at one point? uh yes that that is the yeah it's definitely from yeah yeah uh question two is that where we are uh you know question seven um going the other glory is of no use to the dead uh it's gotta be sith sith that is sith see ben's ben's ben i like ben's strategy he's like i'm just gonna guess fast and first I mean, and wisely. It has to be Sith, but I was like, could George be saying it in any way? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm not thinking about George no. at all. Yeah, George uh, is uh, yeah. Do you want to take a shot at the Sith who said it? Uh, wait, I already forgot what they said. Uh, glory is of no use to the dead. Yeah. Uh, it sounds familiar, but I would be like, I would be grasping at super straws. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. Great. Would you like to grasp at a super straw? <laughs> you can get a point. Can I get like, uh, can we zero in on like an era or like legends or canon? Can I just get like a canon or legends? It's got to or... be legends. It's got to be legends. I mean, it's okay. it's it's legends. Not to say that this. I, I mean, I would guess Bane if I was going to guess, but I mean, it's already been said. It's a problem. Bane's a good guess, but because he did all that, like I don't know, he did a lot of stuff coming out of um, some wars and transforming the Sith. And... Is it? After one of the Jason Solo turns, is it after that? Ooh. No, it is not. Oh. Um. Okay, I don't know. All right, it is Tarth Bane, but if I can give no one that. So. <laughs> oh right. wow! So here we are. All right, so uh, we have two questions left. Uh, I have kind of been keeping track, but this has been a wild game. <laughs> ben is so winning. Ben is Ben is up by I four and a half to yeah. half a point. Yeah. Uh, so Grant. That's uh, my strategy. Would be you're being just first fast. <laughs> All right. Question eight. Good luck has its storms. Jedi. Eh, eh. 
George. A George. <laughs> that is George. That's a Lucas. That's a Lucas. I really Another. thought. Yeah. yeah. All right. And last but not least, if all I do is try, that means I don't truly believe I can su- succeed. It's George. Nope. Dang. I'm sorry. <laughs> if all I do is try, that means the- I don't truly believe I can succeed. It's got to be Jedi. It's Jedi. Can you guess the Jedi? For bragging points. Is it Anakin Skywalker? It is not. It's Kanan. Janus. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And that has been. I'm scared of the EU. Jedi Sith or George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. I just uh, my favorite part was I knew I guess that last one would sound like such a George quote. Like that's my 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 yeah. goal when I first went into this is I thought for sure that I'd be able to find more George quotes that sounded like Jedi yeah. or Sith statements. And in reality, it's all about filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> so I was able to find like a couple and then I found a couple Jedi quotes. I'm like, oh, this is totally going to sound like a George quote. So, yeah, uh, thank you for playing. And also I, I was really afraid when I was putting together, you'll be like, oh, that's really obvious. It's this. So that was so fun. <laughs> not obvious. So no, that's been a game of and quotes. As soon as I... you opened it up to EU, I was like, oh, my I, right. Because yeah, I, I, I can't do movies. <laughs> it was be like... a lot of the time, but yeah. like, I was worried about like the solos and the sky, the other, oh. the other children. That's the, the thing. children creeping in. <laughs> I feel like I have a pretty comprehensive knowledge of Star Wars, but there's yeah. still some times when you mention one time period and then another time period. Oh, yeah. Time period. It awesome. just like I get a cramp. I've and... erased legends from my mind. Yeah. But... Yeah. So that's the thing is I figured trying to find I was really Bane, trying to find Bane is canon. Sounded like Jedi. All that Jedi Bane stuff like. and Zana, like that yeah. stuff is like canon. Canon. Yeah. Same with Plagueis to me is canon. Yeah. Like Bane's story is perfect. It's almost like it's almost warrants a movie given like, yeah, you know, his days as a minor and then a gloom trooper and then a Sith and like training, like the rule of two. Yeah. Oh, it's just so good. Like It's so good. That would be an amazing. It's <laughs> so much like yeah. character development. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you want to know it, a, another game I've developed, which we can play at a later date is one of my favorite things in the world is uh, Google autocomplete. All right. Do you know what I'm talking about? If you start, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. You start, yeah. So, I, I'm going to start saying "is" in a character's name, and you have to guess what the most popular response is after that. <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing. Is can, we do one, can we do one right now? Yeah, let me let me let me choose one. Uh, Try to think of one that's not going to be problematic. And not that we're problematic, but the internet is problematic. The internet is really uh, hollow. Let's do good. is Chewbacca. Okay, is Chewbacca? Can anyone guess the number one is Chewbacca search from Google? Um, a dog dead. Oh, so no, Grant. Ben, number one is Chewbacca dead is the number one Google search. Wow, Ben. Yeah, because no, because it's got EU and you also got. I mean, because so a lot of people stopped watching Rise of Skywalker like halfway through, basically. <laughs> I, no, but, I. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want you to finish the top 10 because this is the best thing. All right. Two, is Chewbacca a girl? I mean, okay. Maybe. We don't know from the movies. Number three, is Chewbacca an Ewok? Mm. <laughs> Followed with, is Chewbacca a Jedi? Is Chewbacca in the prequels? Oh, right, let's do one more. One more. I need, I need one more to go against Ben here. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Let's do Palpatine. Is Palpatine alive? <laughs> People need to uh, the no, uh, that's number nine. Is Palpatine still okay. alive? Oh, yeah, no, no. Let me, uh, that's, not my, that's not my actual guess. Keep guessing. We're going to keep guessing until we get number one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Until, or I call it. Is Palpatine a Sith? Uh, that's, that's gonna be good. no, not on oh, the list. That was a near miss. That was good. It's an, uh, I will say it's 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 close to something that's on the list. I will give you that hint. Uh, is Palpatine raised father? Weirdly, not. There's. I will say this. There's not on the top ten anything about the connection between Palpatine and Ray, which surprises okay. me. That is surprising. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess there's no Dathan stuff in there either, huh? No, definitely not. These is Palpatine a clone? Uh, that is number seven. Oh, oh climbing seven right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the general populace and what they I know. About I mean, Palpatine. really think about it. Really think about it. Remember, remember number three for Chewbacca. This is, is the best. Is game Chewbacca an Ewok? Yeah. Uh, so you're you're coming from this. From a, you know everything there is about Palpatine, but think about episode one and and the very end of episode one, and what the scene seems to suggest that we as Star Wars fans know, but maybe oh, a shock is, is Palpatine, is Palpatine the, the Phantom Menace? Is Palpatine the Emperor? Oh, you're so you're you're both hovering around it. I'm gonna kind of give it to you. Is as Palpatine Darth Sidious? Is, is, Palpatine... Dar is Palpatine oh! Darth Sidious is number one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. I will say, like, I will say the rest are kind of not as fun as, as Chewbacca. Is Palpatine from Naboo? Is Palpatine dead? Is Palpatine Anakin's father? Is he stronger than Vader? Is he in Kenobi? Yes, he is. Is he a clone? Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, is he human? Is he still alive? Is he the strongest Sith? So, but I just yeah, love that. The first question sense. is, is he Darth Sidious? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, okay. good question. Good I'm gonna question. do one more. I kept. I know we're like we're just playing one game, but now I'm like, is Jar Jar <laughs> Wait, this is Binks? So good. Is what? Is Jar Jar Binks? Oh no! Don't do that! Don't do that one! I know that one. And no, I it's okay. It's all okay. I just did it. Um, is he? Uh, is he Darth? Is he a Darth? Uh, is he a Darth? Is he a Darth? Yeah, Jar -Jar it's, Jar -Jar Darth? yeah, it's all that. It's so. Is this Jar Jar a Sith Lord? Dead? Sith Lord. A Sith? Evil? A Sith Lord? Canon? A yeah. Jedi. That became a big thing. That became a huge. Yeah. We have to do a different character. That character, like, it was all about yeah. being a Dark Lord. My favorite though is is Jar Jar Binks in Obi Wan, or number ten. Here's my favorite: is Jar Jar Binks CGI? No, <laughs> nope, oh. all practical. Yeah, Ahmad Best really just did that well. Late to the party. Um, he looks just like that. It's weird. What about like? So is Vader? Uh, is Vader? That's... I will do Vader in a second. I have to do this for because of last week. Our Jawas. Our Jawas. People. I had to pluralize. What's that? People. Uh, <laughs> weirdly not. No, weirdly nothing. Huh. It's a lot huh. about. Pieces. I would want to know what's like. What it's, is underneath there? So that's the thing. Yeah. It's a lot about what's underneath it, but uh, <laughs> it Our is not Jawas people alive. Uh, no. Are Jawas... Jawas... Uh, droids. Right. Yeah, that is up there. That oh, is, uh, too high robots. Content. Robots is number six. Droids is number eight. Uh, what size are oh. they similar to in terms of creatures? And also, this relates Are Jawas to... Ewoks? Yes, that's number one. Are Jawas Ewoks? 
Which is never one. That is some deep state Star Wars thing, right there. <laughs> yeah, that is some conspiracy. I'm gonna skip like some Star Star Wars. Wars. the rest because it's like, are <laughs> it's they like the, the Jawas are really Ewoks? Did you yeah. know? It's like, <laughs> are they are they native of Tatooine? Are they furry? But my favorite number ten. The they are furry. Are Jawas minions? <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> minions have per, has permeated yeah. to the point. Uh, Grant, we'll do one more in your honor. You wanted you wanted to is know Vader? is Vader. Okay. I'm gonna do Darth Vader because the the Vader Vader itself is a little getting okay, that's German. a little better. Yeah. Uh, Luke Skywalker's father. Uh, no, weirdly not. That is not apparently people know that Vader is Luke uh, Luke's father. Okay. That's a good guess though, based on what's come up. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a similar level of like, have you seen the movies? Yeah. <laughs> is Darth Vader Anakin? Scott? Yes, one hundred percent. That's number one. Is Darth Vader Anakin? <laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. Any other guesses? I was gonna say is yeah, is Darth Vader smelly under a suit? Uh, no, but they do have is uh, Vader in constant pain. He uh, is. Yeah. Which is a good yeah. question. Like that's a good that question. A great question. Yeah. Uh, is Darth Vader dead? I mean, I guess depends on timeline, but yeah. Uh, I don't know what this means. Is Darth Vader in Battle Lab? Do you guys know what Battle Lab is? No, it's, it's gotta be something. Because it's also like, is it, like, is Darth Vader coming to fart Fortnite? <laughs> right, is, right, right. Which is like, I get that. So it's gotta be like, and a lot of these are like a Sith right. Lord. Fortnite, that's my favorite game. <laughs> I thought, I thought for sure. I was really hoping <laughs> we'd just move past it. No one would catch it. Oh come on, Fortnite's the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to, like, power through. Guys, in my house, every night's fart night. <laughs> is Mace Windu? Oh, I, have you done that one? Uh, is Mace Windu alive? Yes! Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's what uh, everyone's wondering. Is he Ma could be. Is, yeah, is Mace Windu a Sith? Maybe now. I don't know. That would be a fun yeah. show. Star yeah, he just, like, that's it. Okay, right. you know what? This was super yes. fun, Adam. Thanks so much games. for this. Look we at that. two games as this it was. was we're so excited about this game concept. We're going to try and end every show with a game now because uh, we like games and they're fun. Yeah. Uh, so this was super great. What a extremely long podcast for no reason. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun. Next week, we're going to talk about Quantic. What's the uh, name of the comic? We're going to talk about Halcyon uh, uh, Legacy. Legacy comic by Ethan Sachs. Uh, yes. Yeah. Who, who wrote the... Um, the Doc Ondor's uh, tie-in series. So he does really good. It sounds really funny, but he does good with the Disney World tie-in. Right. So comics. if you're a Disney fan or a fan yeah. of spending a lot of money in Orlando, Florida, um, this the or house Anah or Anaheim or, or Anaheim. Yeah. Oh, um, yes, no, wait. House and Legacy is only in Orlando. I yeah, it's right. only in Orlando. Um, this is the ship, the trip that you can spend about six thousand dollars per family. Whew. Go on this cruise and pretend like you're in a star cruiser going through the galaxy and all this stuff. But there, this is a narrative story told, parallel yeah. in concert. We don't know. Um, yeah. They did it, like I said. This this author did the same thing for um, Doc Andor's, like a shop that's in Galaxy's Edge in Orlando. Yeah. So, which, um, which, having really read the first three issues, it's worth it. Like there are these yeah, really great all over the timeline fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're actually usually like I mean Han Solo, I think, was in that Doc Ondor thing. So like there's there's yep. fun stories that go along with these. Um I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to talking about that and its influence. And of course, we'll be covering the news because that's what we do. We cover the news. We're core world news. Thanks everyone for listening to us again this week. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, new listeners, welcome. I thanks for listening to us. We think that's super. And um, we'll talk to you next week. May the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the force will be with you always. <laughs>